Mind and the Motorcycle, Monologues, Volume 23, March 4th, 2021. I am the lone voice in the universe. I want to get to my stories and give you my table of contents. And if you saw the handwritten note I'm reading off of, you would probably get, oh my God, is this going to be a mess? I got arrows and stuff next to different subjects because there's new news going along with the stories that I pulled. So here we go. Uh, Corona anniversary, Catholic COVID ban, Amazon union, wealth tax, Khashoggi, Saudis, 9-11, China, housewife wages, Nigeria, kidnapping, Italy, chariot find, rollerblading cops, UN climate catastrophe, the Pew report about in, the information incest is what I call it, the gospel according to Chris Hedges, an extraordinary journalist, and finally a, a poem about Fred, Frederick Douglass. So let's, uh, let's get to the stories. And um, uh, first is the, the corona anniversary. For um, a lot of people, uh, we're uh, right around the year um, since we've had to deal with the lockdown and, and all the repercussions. It was roughly mid-March of last year. And there is something that is called a, it's known as a trauma anniversary. Uh, it's an annual date when a year or many years after a traumatic event has happened, we experience upsetting thoughts, feelings, and memories. That's according to Michelle Marquez, and she's a Massachusetts-based certified trauma therapist. How would you like to be a certified trauma therapist? I wonder where you get the certification. Um, just one more quote from her. Uh, the part of our brain that reacts to a trauma or a stressor of upsetting events creates an instinctual response that overrides the other parts of our brain. So in other words, some of us are actually going to be experiencing a little bit of blowback um, with this um, annual um, anniversary. And um, while we're dealing with blowback, we can go to rollback. Uh, a, a, a large number of states, mostly um, Republican-governed, um, are rolling back their restrictions. And, and I'm just like wide open, Texas being one of them. Okay, the bars are open, restaurants are open, time to party, forget the mask. Not a good idea. And uh, that's my, one of my arrows, because that, that's a, kind of an update. Um, the uh, Catholic Archdiocese of New Orleans is asking Catholics to avoid the recently approved uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which it says, quote, is morally compromised by its extensive use of abortion-derived cell lines. Uh, to continue quoting the Archdiocese, the latest vaccine from Johnson Johnson is morally compromised as it uses the abortion-derived cell line in development and production of the vaccine as well as testing. Here's where it's a, a, little, a little bit weird. Uh, apparently, it's okay for them to, uh, to take the Moderna and the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccines because the cell lines were only used to test the vaccine. I, uh, to me, that's kind of, it's hair splitting. Uh, it's either okay or it's not okay. And from a scientific standpoint, um, you know, using um, these uh, cell lines um, from, uh, frankly, aborted fetuses uh, is, it's smart medicine and it works. Um, and our health and well-being uh, comes first. 
some union news uh, regarding Amazon and uh, in their, uh, their plant in Bessemer, Alabama, has 6,000 employees. And uh, they have all been, they were mailed uh, unionization ballots on February 8th and given seven weeks to, to cast their vote. And the union is the Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Um, to counterbalance that, Amazon has subjected the workers to compulsory workplace town halls where they're subjected to anti-union propaganda. Uh, last Sunday, President Biden tweeted, I wish he wouldn't, but he, he tweeted a video message in which he delivered strong support for the right to, for an, a union to organize, quote, without intimidation or threat by employees. While we're on uh, Amazon um, and, and kind of a, a negative story, I have a, what appears to be a positive story uh, from Google. Uh, I think maybe yesterday um, or, or today, it's one of those stories that I have with an arrow drawn. Uh, Google is no longer going to use our personal browsing um, as a way to sell advertising time. Uh, if this is true, it's really gigantic, um, and, and we'll see. Uh, it essentially means that um, there's a bit more privacy uh, returning to um, our, our lives vis-a-vis um, -vis technology, which um, I personally think is, is needed, and we'll see you know, how that works out. Uh, now we got some news on a wealth tax. Uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren on this past Monday introduced a bill to tax a very small portion of the wealth of the richest 100,000 households in the U.S. The Ultra Millionaire Tax Act would levy a 2% annual tax on the net worth of households and trusts above 50 million, plus a 1% annual surtax on billionaires, which would bring in around $3 trillion in revenue um, over a 10-year period. Uh, personally, uh, I really got no problem with it. Um, according to a fellow by the name of Frank Clemente, Executive Director of Americans for Tax Fairness, We've calculated that the U.S. billionaires have increased their wealth by nearly 50% since the pandemic began, while tens of millions of people have lost their jobs, can't pay their rent, and they go to bed hungry at night. I'm all for the wealth tax. And, uh, oh, what do I have? Oh, okay. And, and while we're on the subject of, um, of taxes and income, uh, it looks like the, uh, the coronavirus bill um, that has uh, been passed by the House and is now with the Senate, um, the relief payments that we were all supposed to get, we're not all going to get. Uh, there will be restrictions based on, um, on income. And just in terms of the individual, if you earn $80,000 a year or more, um, you won't be getting uh, a check. I frankly don't think it's worth hair splitting and that um, we should just give um, the, damn, uh, the damn payment to, to Americans. And uh, so there. Oh, I think I'm out of arrows too, which is cool. Now I can just do my stories and not freak out over these arrows. Uh, my next story relates to uh, the murder of uh, Jamal Khashoggi, um, Saudi guilt, um, and September 11th. 
uh, seizing on new discoveries about the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the families of September 11th victims are appealing to President Biden to release still classified documents about an FBI investigation into the Saudi role in the terror attacks. And uh, from uh, a, a letter signed by nearly 2,000 family members of 9-11 victims, I quote, we implore you to stop this travesty of justice and ensure that the Department of Justice immediately provide the documents and cooperation we need so that we can finally hold Saudi Arabia accountable. Uh, and um, you know, along those lines, um, and another ad lib but with no arrow, uh, last night, um, I watched a film called The Mauritanian. And very briefly, um, it, it dealt with um, an innocent man who was essentially uh, kidnapped uh, by U.S. government forces, ended up in Guantanamo, um, was tortured in the most unbelievable torture, and approved, and very much out in the open, approved by Bush um, and uh, Donald Rumsfeld. And this guy was innocent. Uh, his innocence was proven in court um, after seven years of illegal incarceration, and this guy did not get out of Guantanamo for something like another seven years. He spent 15 years in prison for something he did not do, um, and much lauded President Obama um, is as culpable as Bush and Rumsfeld because he kept this guy in prison um, you know, during his, during his reign. Really sad. Good movie. You ought to watch it. Let's go over to China. Uh, a Chinese court ruled that a husband must pay his former wife thousands of dollars in compensation for housework she did during their marriage, which in China is a landmark, uh, and as you can imagine. She originally requested more than 24000 but the court said the husband must pay around 7700 um, as housework compensation. And uh, it's the first of its kind under, Chinese, under China's new civil code, which took effect earlier this year. So, you know, even in China, which is kind of a, it's a brutal regime, um, tortures and disappears people, um, freedom of the press is uh, non-existent, and here's just a little, a little splash of, uh, of sunlight. Um, Nigeria always seems to make the news because of kidnappings. Uh, so gunmen kidnapped more than 300 schoolgirls in Nigeria's northwestern Zamfara state over last weekend. And a uh, handful of days later, hundreds of Nigerian schoolgirls that were abducted from the boarding school uh, were released um, on this past Tuesday. And um, uh, the terrorists do it. They do it for ransom. Children? I mean, really? Um, it's, it's low. It's really low. And um, here's a really cool story. Uh, officials... Um, at the Pompeii archaeological site in Italy announced last Saturday the discovery of an intact ceremonial chariot. And the archaeological park of, Pam of Pompeii called the chariot an exceptional discovery. And this goes back quite a ways. And apparently um, Mount Vesuvius erupted in 79 AD and it destroyed Pompeii. And this chariot uh, was spared, which I, I think is cool. And I saw pictures of it. It's really, man, it's a cool ride. 
um, I would have I gotten it. I would have I gotten like a, the 78 AD model if, if they were selling it. So uh, um, a little more fun, uh, I, I think. Police officers in Pakistan's commercial capital, Karachi, are, are getting new wheels to fight crime. There's a new po- a police unit that's going to be equipped with rollerblades and guns to stop theft um, in the city of 20 million people. Uh, unit chief Farooq Ali explained that the skates give his team an edge in catching thieves on motorcycles on Karachi's busy and clogged streets. Um, roller, roller cops have been uh, successful in other cities. Um, in Paris, a team of eight rollerblading officers have been patrolling the streets for 20 years. And this is, this is kind of funny. Um, in the British capital, London, they had their own skater squads in parks, but Scotland Yard had to end the program after criminals started running on the grass to escape. Um, smart criminals. And, uh, and now for not-so-smart um, a climate story. Uh, the United Nations report on, on last Friday um, reveals just how far off the world is from meeting the goals of the Paris Climate Agreement, Paris climate agreement uh, based on the emissions reduction plans that governments um, across the world had put forth for the next decade. And uh, uh, from Oxfam, and I, gosh, I'm not sure what the abbreviation is, but that's okay. They're a cool organization. Um, Oxfam's uh, global climate policy lead, uh, Nafkote Dabi, called the UN findings appalling. And uh, in uh, the, the quote continues, uh, the US, Canada, and China accounting together for over a third of total global emissions are, uh, have yet to submit revised climate plans. Um, I've been harping on the, on the climate issue um, in podcasts and um, on my blog for quite a while, which doesn't make me um, even remotely heroic, uh, but there isn't a bigger story, and uh, we continue to ignore it. And I'm going to, uh, in a story from here, I'm going to read um, a really interesting piece of journalism from um, Chris Hedges uh, about this issue. And uh, back to this story, um, uh, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, uh, he dubbed the report, quote, a red alert for our planet, and declared that 2021 is a make-or-break year to confront the global climate emergency. And uh, I'm wondering if I should stop now and do a little music. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to do that because we're at around 15 minutes. So I'll be back um, after a little bit of that bass guitar. Hey, um, I'm back. It's uh, been a few minutes for me um, and just uh, a couple of twangs on the bass for you. I thought it would be a good time to take a little bit of a break and, and kind of refocus because um, I, I really need your attention. Um, I'm going to start with um, a, a brief summary of, the, of a report from the Pew Research Center, and I always use it um, in these podcasts because um, I, I love what they do in terms of numbers. And I'm going to essentially, I'll briefly, I'm not going to go through the numbers, but I want to summarize what their findings are. And that is that um, large numbers of both Democrats um, and Republicans go to news sources that they find on social media that essentially uh, agree with their viewpoint. So it's kind of, um, 
I, well, I called it um, in the summary at the beginning of the, of the podcast, information incest. So what happens is that um, we basically um, follow news, and I, I do that in, uh, in quotes, that essentially reinforces our way of thinking. Uh, and that uh, has really helped um, in a negative sense um, to have us so um, set against each other, right versus left, rich and poor. Um, it's it really uh, very much um, responsible for, uh, for our divide. Um, just finding, finding stuff that makes us feel comfortable, um, which may or may not be true. Now I want to, the reason for actually doing that break is because I'm going to do a slight departure. Um, you know, normally I do this kind of vamping and I read little pieces from the news stories. My favorite journalist by far is a fellow by the name of Chris Hedges. He's got incredible credentials. Uh, he was the New York Times bureau chief um, in the Middle East for like seven plus years. Um, extraordinarily bright, incredibly articulate. Um, and his pieces are really heavily researched. I, I want you to, I'm going to read this um, and try and, and kind of like stay with me and, and just follow it. Uh, it. It's not a pretty picture, uh, but I couldn't think of a better way to make his point than by reading his points. The two million deaths that have resulted from the ruling elite's mishandling of the global plan pandemic will be dwarfed by what is to follow. The global catastrophe that awaits us, already baked into the ecosystem from the failure to curb the use of fossil fuels and animal agriculture and deadlier pandemics, mass migrations of billions of desperate people, plummeting crop yields, mass starvation, and systems collapse. These are all true. The facts are incontrovertible. Each of the last four decades have been hotter than the last. In 2018, the UN International Panel on Climate Change released a special report on the systemic effects of a 1.5 degrees Celsius, 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit, rise in temperatures. Anything above a temperature rise of 1.5 degrees Celsius will render the Earth uninhabitable. The Arctic ice, along with the Greenland ice sheet, are now expected to melt regardless of how much we reduce carbon emissions. A seven meter, 23 foot rise in sea level, which is what will take place once the ice is gone, means every town and city on a coast at sea level will have to be evacuated. As the climate crisis worsens, the political constrictions will tighten, making public resistance difficult. We do not live yet in the brutal Orwellian state that appears on the horizon, one where all dissidents will suffer the fate of Julian Assange. The ruling elites, despite accelerating the, and the tangible uh, eco, ecological collapse, mollify us either by meaningless gestures or denial. They are the architects of social murder. The ruling class devotes tremendous resources to mask this social murder. They control the narrative in the press. They falsify science and data, as the fossil fuel industry has done for decades. They set up committees, commissions, and international bodies, such as UN climate summits, 
to pretend to address the problem, or they deny, despite the dramatically changing weather, weather patterns, that the problem even exists. What is taking place is not neglect. It is not ineptitude. It is not policy failure. It is murder. It is murder because it is premeditated. It is murder because a conscious choice was made by the global ruling classes to extinguish life rather than protect it. It is murder because profit, despite the hard statistics, the growing climate disruptions, and the scientific modeling is deemed more important than human life and human survivals. Profit. The prosecution of endless and futile wars costing anywhere from five to seven trillion dollars, the maintenance of some 800 military bases in over 70 countries, along with the fraud, waste, and mismanagement by the Pentagon at a time when the survival of the species is at stake is simply self-destructive. Please listen to this paragraph. The rage many feel at being abandoned often expresses itself in a poisoned solidarity. This poisoned solidarity unites the disenfranchised around hate crimes, racism, acts of vengeance against scapegoats, religious and ethnic chauvinism, and nihilistic violence. It fosters crisis cults, such as those built by the Christian fascists, and elevates demagogues such as Donald Trump. The evil that makes this social murder possible is collective. It is perpetrated by the colorless bureaucrats and technocrats churned out of business schools, law schools, management programs, and elite universities. These systems managers carry out the incremental tasks that make vast, complicated systems of exploitation and death work. They collect, store, and manipulate our personal data for digital monopolies and the security and surveillance state. Last, last line. The capacity to exercise moral autonomy, to refuse to cooperate, to wreck the mega-machine, offers us the only possibility left to personal freedom and a life of meeting. Um, I'm done. Um, God, I hope you listened, and I hope it didn't sound like too much of a rant on my part, and I wasn't too fast, and you had time to absorb it. Um, it's an incredible indictment um, of, of where we are, what is. It's obvious, and to me, if you look at this, read it, um, I, I dare anybody to look in, at any part of this and say, oh, man, that's bullshit. Um, it's all stuff uh, that's going on. We have an unbelievable problem, all of us, all over the world. Um, and in, according to somebody uh, like Chris Hedges, basically he's talking about revolution. Uh, and he has taken that tact um, in a lot of his writing uh, because there will be no other way um, to release the grip um, that the powerful have um, on our throats. And um, we'll see how it goes. It's certainly... Um, uh, the next generation and the, the generation after that um, are really going to have to contend with this. And um, I won't be around for it, but I do have my fingers crossed. Uh, I'm done uh, with the exception of my poem. Um, and um, 
Uh, it's really a, so almost a counterpoint to um, the story I just read. Uh, this is a poem called Frederick Douglass, um, and it's uh, by a poet by the name of Robert Hayden. When it is finally ours, this freedom, this liberty, this beautiful and terrible thing, needful to man as air, usable as earth, when it belongs at last to all, when it is truly extinct, instinct, I'm sorry, when it is truly instinct, brain matter, diasol, and systole, reflective action, when it is finally one, when it is more than the gaudy mumbo-jumbo of politicians, this man, this Douglas, this former slave, this Negro beaten to his knees, exiled, visioning a world where none is lonely, none hunted, alien this man, superb in love and logic, this man shall be remembered. Oh, not with statues rhetoric, not with legends and poems and wreaths of bronze alone, but with the lives grown out of his life, the lives fleshing his dream of the beautiful, needful thing, needful thing. I, you know, and um, I guess on some level, um, and I know I uh, wrote, uh, I don't know if it was uh, read probably two weeks ago, something by Lawrence Ferlinghetti, who recently passed away, um, and he really believed uh, that the real, the hope for us um, lies in art, in poetry, in painting, um, in writing, and, and certainly in the lives that we individually live. And Frederick Douglass, if you know anything about him, was unbelievable. What a man. So um, I'm done. Um, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, do me a favor. Um, if you've uh, gotten through this whole thing, about 25 minutes worth, tell your friends. Um, I like more people to hear my stories. Um, it makes me happy. And um, as I always like to, like to close, uh, until next week, same time, same station, God bless. <laughs>